my name is Flick Beckett and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly sponsored by Kia, the champion of independent cinema nationwide. For today's film, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, we pre-recorded a panel for our green screen preview presentation we hosted ahead of the April 21st general release date. We were very lucky to have not only director Daniel Goldhaber, lead actor and producer Ariella Berra, but also the writer Andreas Malm, whose manifesto the film was based on. The film is also screening at our central site as part of Earth Day, with an excellent live panel with Andreas Malm and hosted by Damien Carrington, an environmental editor for The Guardian. Hey everyone. Welcome back to Boom Talk. Today, teaching myself to make a homemade blasting cap. And if this works, it'll be step one in making our own improvised explosive. Might be headed to Texas for the winter. What's in Texas? This project. What kind of project? Thank you so much for joining me this evening. So, Andreas, I'm going to head straight to you. You originally wrote a manifesto called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Could you ever have envisaged it being made into such a clear and purposeful fictional narrative? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I, I couldn't in my wildest imagination have the idea that someone would want to turn it into a film, let alone a film of this incredible quality. Uh, so no, I I would have never thought that. I mean, it d didn't exist as as a as an idea in my head. But it it was very quickly evident to me that these were people who <laughs> wanted to do something spectacular, and that I completely trusted their their creative and imaginative project. Uh, so uh, I mean, I was obviously I was super excited from the start, and have been ever since. Daniel, tell me about imagining this narrative. It's such a clever interpretation of what is in no way a story. So how did that even present itself to you? As with uh, as with most things on this film, it was it was very much a collective effort. Jordan Scholl, one of the other writers of the film, uh, is an academic. He's uh, getting his PhD at Duke, I, I think in two days he'll hopefully have it by the time this goes out to theaters and uh you know jordan is, is also you know somebody i've been working with my whole professional life um either as a story editor or as a, a writing partner and he's kind of always threatened to adapt a work of academic theory into a film it's it's been a long-term dream of his partially just you know in in the era of ip consolidation of cinema why not tap a giant marketplace of ideas that 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 is 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 kind of you know of limitless potential. So he recommended the book to me and Ariella, and we started reading it. And for me, kind of just halfway into the book, I, I kind of had this image of a bunch of kids in the desert struggling with a bomb. And I think in that image and in that I, mood and idea, the, the whole thing kind of crystallized quite quickly. This this notion of the, the book itself suggests a great a great mission movie and suggests a movie that that can be quite thrilling and and the book itself when reading it is quite exhilarating and so i think that you know there was an immediate sense that this was something that the three of us should work on together and that there was a great essentially heist process action film contained inside these ideas to essentially say you know how do you make this book into a movie you 
you just show you you answer the question of how is this actually done and why would actually a group of individual characters do it so that kicked off a a, a few months of research where me and jordan and ariella were interviewing a number of activists writers journalists bomb experts pipeline experts people that andreas put us in touch with to actually figure out the answers to those questions, the the how and the why. And Ariella was ultimately the one who I think kind of figured out a way to distill that research down into eight characters and wrote that opening 10-page sequence where everybody abandons their lives to go out on this mission. And that was that was really what kicked off the writing process because that that really suggested not just an ensemble for the film, which is obviously the core of the project, but also a rhythm and a pace and 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 a tone for the project. And Ariella, coming to you, I mean, it is really character-led. It's such a great story, and it's really positive and dynamic. And it's it's very unusual to see a climate story with such a really, like, uh, I just want to say a positive, real bent. I mean, it's not to say it wasn't a terrible struggle, and it was, you know, they faced incredible odds, but it was a success. <laughs> and was that very, very important? Oh yeah, we kind of decided from the beginning of the writing process that we wanted this to be like an aspirational story about a leftist group and act because uh, we found that in so much of our research, so many of these stories about leftist groups are ultimately about their downfall or about ego or about infighting. And it feels almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy when all the media is about how this thing cannot succeed or how this thing maybe has is a righteous cause, but it's going too far and can never fully just understand and empathize with the cause and the characters, um, why would anyone feel hope to continue on in this fight? So that was something that we discussed a lot uh, in doing this. And also just ourselves, we're trying our best to not fall into doomist rhetoric that like is, is going to be the death of us all if we just buy into that completely. Um, watched a lot of climate scientists on TikTok dedicating their platform to positive climate news to get through it and and to ultimately end this story in an uplifting way. So Andreas, I mean, you talk a lot about climate fatalism in the book and how obstructive that thought process is. So can you tell us a bit about that and why a film like this and your book expose it for the lie that it is, the sort of media narrative around it? Yeah, the narrative, and I think many people's feelings around these things is that fossil fuel infrastructure is a fact of nature or a force of nature almost i mean it, it just expands like i don't know uh, uh you know with the same inevitable force that stars uh, circulate in orbit or uh, day succeeds night it's like it's you know or waves lapping in the in the wind or something like that it's just by nature that we have these pipelines and and coal uh, plants and uh, gas terminals growing and expanding and of course that's an illusion because every uh, construction of a fossil fuel installation comes out of a step you know series of steps of, of human decisions and these decisions can be stopped and if uh, uh, the infrastructure in question is actually constructed then it can be taken apart it can be shut down it can be dismantled so uh, what the movie does here so extremely effectively is by, is, is to show <clears throat> the illusion for what it is and the you know the possibility of actually going in and rupturing 
uh, this sort of infrastructure. And it's only if we realize that it's it's amenable to disruption and shutdown that we can ever do anything about the climate crisis. I think that's something about Andreas's book that it actually took us, I think, until the end of the process of making the movie to realize it was what the movie was about, which is this question of this notion, this idea that the infrastructure is the enemy, that I think that one of the reasons why doomism and climate fatalism is so pervasive is because you cannot blame or pin this on one single company or or government or person or individual. It's a system that we all participate in to many a far greater and to some a far lesser degree. Um, but I think that when one starts thinking about how do you fight climate change, it's kind of this issue of, you know, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of tactics, but there's this kind of nagging question, I think, at the back of everybody's head that's kind of like, but is that actually the best tactic? Is that the most justified tactic? And I think that the reason why Andreas's book was such a flashpoint in in the movement is is precisely because I think, you know, it takes this historical precedent of climate action um, and and, you know, and, and, and makes a very compelling point for kind of the existential need for an escalation of tactics, but then answers this question of, you know, but what do you actually sabotage? What do you disrupt? And I think in the moral argument around this notion that the destruction of fossil fuel infrastructure can be seen as an act of self-defense is, I think, exactly as Andrea says, it opens up a world of possibility for the movement, um, for the tactics of the movement. And I think that in those possibilities, there's hope. And I think where there's hope, there's so many other strategies and so many other, you know, ideas that I think can be born from that and from a shift in our perception of like what can be done. So that was very much something that we were hoping to communicate on a kind of mainstream entertaining level with this project. And I think, um, Ariella, would, would you agree with this? Like the fact that you did it shows what can be done, you know, like, and, and I love the fact that you reimagined the book as we've discussed into a narrative like this is, is, is weaving almost the impossible out of, what you have and so we can imagine we can reimagine and i i love that um you when i read about your book and the making sorry your film and the making of the film how collaborative it was how different it was uh, you know like i read about and hear about movie sets that don't work like yours did you 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 are and have made a film that you've reimagined how to make films if you know what i mean i wouldn't give us all that credit but <laughs> that's very nice of you um i mean it definitely was a very collaborative process but i think all movies are i think just we were dedicated to crediting and compensating people properly for that work because people are always putting in that degree of work on a film set you can't make a film with just a director or just a writer or just a producer it's has to be everyone in every department coming together and I think what was special and exciting about this movie was we were also all rallying behind a cause and the conversations we were having on set were very just in line with everything the movie is about and and wants to put out into the world so that was special but I would say that every film set is that collaborative we just talk about it a little more <laughs> I'm not sure but um you know just things like you know how how you the amount of research you did in such a short time I mean it was seven months is that right Daniel 
from it was seven months yeah it was it was it was 19 months from beginning to end we read the book in february of 2021 and we were shooting by november and and i i think that that ultimately the thing that i'm proudest of about this project and i think the thing that you know did take the most of kind of a, a team effort was was the way in which this movie was produced outside of the the system almost entirely and i think that when it's really interesting almost every q a we do for this film we get asked at least one time how did we get the financing for it and i think in that there's a really disturbing truth which is that i think audiences are way smarter than a lot of people give them credit for and they know you know how much you know corporate and oligarchical control there is over me the media that is produced these days. Um, and so I think to see a film that has a level, a certain level of scope and craft, um, you know, on the screen is, is, is important for people to understand that like, you know, independent storytelling, independent cinema making is possible, especially if you are able to clearly articulate your ideas and work as a collective. And I think that, you know, I just have a tremendous amount of gratitude for our financiers and for our partners that like, let us do this movie this way that let us tell the story in this way. And at this level of scope, because I think that it is we do live in a super hyper mediated society. And I think it's really important that we continue to tell stories and to push narratives that that are accessible and mainstream and not niche and progressive at the same time because i think that when we continue to think about progressive storytelling as something that's for a niche audience we continue to send the message that the progressive political movement is something that only exists for a niche audience which is not a route to political or cultural success no and i think that what you know there's another thing i really admire about the film as you can tell i'm a huge fan but is that it's got a really great look and feel, which is super mainstream. Like it, it makes me think of Steve McQueen. It's, you know, like a 70s aesthetic, I feel like almost in the, it, it's beautiful, you know. So it's, it's, it's got a very broad appeal, which I think to me shows a really great shift in, uh, in indie filmmaking that, that you're obviously a part of with your films that you've done before. But also, I, an homage to what has been and how powerful it is so you are you do want to reach a big audience right oh yeah I mean I'd love to reach a big audience with this I think part of the idea around adapting this book in the first place was taking this book that exists in kind of a specific space and seeing how widespread we can get this message making it in a mainstream Hollywood movie type way Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. Andreas. Have you noticed that with that this film being made now of your book and the publicity around your book in the first place, but has do you think there's a shift? Can you feel a momentum shift in the climate movement? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that this book got a certain amount of attention was probably not that it's such an enormously amazing book, but that it happened to come out in the right moment when the idea was in the air. 
when the climate movement after the enormous wave that we had in 2018 and 19 started to ask itself what is the next step how do we go on from here how do we escalate our struggle and you know people independently of me were thinking <laughs> Uh, along those lines and uh, it, it, it's something that the movement i'm here talking about the climate movement in the global north has been experimenting with increasingly in the past two years uh so yeah i mean this is this is taking off uh, still on limited scales uh, in some places on a pretty significant scale um uh, and I, I, I think that it, we'll see more of it. It's very hard to, I mean, you know, obviously no one knows what will happen in the future and we can have whatever pandemic or war or other disaster uh, uh, or shock happening at any point. But if, if global warming continues roughly uh, along the tracks it's on now, then I, I'm pretty sure that we'll see more people fighting uh, in a more desperate and more militant way than what we've seen so far. Absolutely. And uh, Daniel, um, your parents were both climate scientists. So you've grown up with people trying to get these facts out and bearing witness to the obfuscation and deliberate sabotage of climate science. So for you, this must have been such a labour of love to put together your upbringing and your passion for making films yeah and it's you know it's not just my experience with my parents and kind of growing up in the climate movement but my first jobs in film were actually also in climate change documentary and I think that it, for me I would I would almost say it was less of a labor of love than I think a relief to be able to speak something that I feel like I've been seeing in the climate movement my whole life in a way that it feels very gratifying um, to have people respond to, which is that I think for so many years, there was such a focus on building awareness uh, and acceptance just around the existence of climate change. I think that something that was consistently kind of not considered during that time was this 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 other question of what we were actually going to do about it and it's like you know i think that that is one of the reasons why doomism became so pervasive is because there was there was this sense of you know you can't bite off more than you can chew you you we just need to convince people that it's real and then and then the problem will kind of just solve itself and i think it was evident to me even from a young age that that was a, a fundamentally losing tactic that you know it, unless unless the belief in its reality goes hand in hand with a solution to the problem, you're just going to make people feel like there isn't a future and like there is nothing to fight for. And so I think that, again, what was so gratifying about this project, not even from a thematic standpoint, but also just from a practical standpoint, you know, I think that we were all as frustrated and powerless in our careers and in our kind of creative space as we were feeling politically in the world. And so I think to come together and make a film on our terms that um, spoke a message on our terms that isn't, you know, simple, it's not polemical, it's not propagandistic, it's complicated, and it has dimension and humanity. And it, it, it doesn't just embrace Andreas's ideas, it pushes back against them. I think, you know, to be able to kind of have that conversation in that kind of complex and entertaining way was like, obviously amazing. 
And Ariella, like, at no point is anyone ever shown how to blow up a pipeline. Um, what you are doing, I feel, and I, I, you, you were asked in another interview about, is acting activism. And through this production and through what you do and who you are, you know, you're a producer, you're the writer, you're the lead actor, you're, you're showing us your activism. Would you agree with that? I mean, I would not call making this movie activism in any real way, just as I wouldn't say watching this movie is an activist act, because I think that's a really quick way to end someone's involvement in a movement. Um, I think this is a great start to getting involved. I think this is a great thing to exist culturally, to to push culture forward in a direction that we are hoping people start thinking in and just moving towards, but this is not an act itself. This was ultimately a piece of art to get people thinking, which is valuable, but not activism. I suppose what I'm getting at, which is a really great piece of advice that I was given, which may be completely wishy-washy, so do tell me off if it is, but it's to do what you can in the way that if, if you feel that you can't go up and blow, blow up a pipeline and you don't want to be arrested and you're not quite sure what to do, then just do something and do it really well and just and do what you enjoy, you know. And so, for instance, yeah. Like with yeah, go on. No, I, th I think that's a beautiful way to put it. It's, uh, you know, meeting people where they're at in the movement is also very important. And this is what I could do. And Yeah, I, b basically, I think what it is, is it's it's the... I think that it's it's twofold. Content production, cultural cultural production, is is part of the ecosystem of social change. So even if the movie in itself is not a, a, an activist act, that doesn't mean that it's not a necessary part of supporting activists, both in terms of creating cultural context for what activists do, for creating also culturally inside of the left, a shared language and understanding of, hey, this is possible, it's possible to organize without the group kind of, you know, breaking down. I think that there's so little aspirational art that exists on the left, it's like that builds that builds cultural consensus, that builds, you know, cultural unity. Um, and and so I think that, you know, there's value there. Um, and I also think that even if making the film is not a form of activism, that doesn't mean that as filmmakers, we can't use the film to activist ends. And I think that that's something that we've been actively engaged in exploring now is, you know, in what capacities, you know, can the community and cultural moment that we have around the film be used to, you know, meaningfully support activists on the front lines currently sacrificing their bodies and lives and freedom to fight, you know, climate degradation. And so I think that that I, I that does in many ways support what you're saying about, you know, do what you can. But I also think that a critical component of do what you can is also being kind of rigorously self-critical and making sure that you're actually doing everything that you can do inside of your community and and not just doing everything that you want to do. And that's something that I think that we're continually pushing forward with on this project is just to make sure that, you know, we're we're trying to be as engaged as possible with as many of the different kinds of communities engaged in this in this movement. So I think under I think the last thing I'll say and I, I is is just that like it's also a question of something that's been a cornerstone of our process has been sitting with activists and saying, hey, we are making this movie. How can it be valuable to you? 
and and starting from that standpoint too and and trying to understand what kind of cultural messaging is most valuable to the people who are actually doing this stuff and so i think that that's just something else that i think is important for other filmmakers is is to be open to be told how to do your job uh in a way that's going to benefit the people sacrificing the most thank you daniel yeah and and just to wrap up from both andreas and ariella if there's something that you could say like uh, around what is most useful do you think for people to be doing at the moment well i mean it's hard to come up with very general you know recommendations or principles i think that one of the beauties of this film is that it shows a group of people you know scouting an area finding out the circumstances on the ground and coming up with a plan for doing something and i think that's what has to happen that activists look into the specifics of the place where they are and uh, you know ask themselves what potential targets of sabotage do we have around us what could be the uh, you know the political consequences of what we want to do who are our allies what are the risks what are the you know the hazards that we try, have to try to, to minimize and avoid uh, you know, these things ultimately boil down to uh, concrete situations on the ground. Uh, you know, in, in general terms, I do think that what, what cl the climate movement needs to focus on is the stopping of uh, expansion, as in we can't have new oil platforms, new pipelines, new gas terminals, new coal-fired power plants, and so on and so forth. And this is not a crazy radical demand. It's very clear from very mainstream institutions that this is impossible if we're going to limit global warming in any way. And yet it still just goes on. You know, in the US, we just had the Biden administration greenlighting the Willow Project in Alaska. And this is not something unique to the US. It's exactly the same situation in Norway or in the, you know, anywhere you look around the world, basically. So yeah, the climate climate activists need to do that. But I mean, it's it's also there are also so many other things that 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 the movement can do. I just came back from France, where there's been an incredibly fierce battle around something else than fossil fuel infrastructure, namely a, a kind of giant water reservoirs that they're building in the French countryside to adapt to drought. But these water reservoirs are extremely destructive. Uh, and they 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 try to collect water and waste it and privatize it. I'm I'm not going to go into the details, but it's it's triggered a a, a tremendously intense struggle. And uh, uh, you know th these things, what what really happens on the ground varies from place to place. And and uh, uh, yeah, the movement needs to intervene where it can, and, and depending on local circumstances. Perfect. Thank you so much, Andreas. Ariella, have you got any final thoughts for uh? uh... Of viewers this evening. I can't believe you make me go after Andreas. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I can edit it so it goes in before if you like. <laughs> no, you're good. That was that's very funny. I mean, I I hope that people who watched this movie, whether they enjoyed it or not, agreed or disagreed, go and pick up the book and engage beyond this movie with the ideas. Talk to people in your community. I hope. This also paves the way for more movies about revolution and progressive acts um, to be done in all different types of ways. And 
we can really have this conversation going in a much bigger way than ever. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us at Picture House this evening. I'm so grateful for you coming along and good luck with your release in the UK next Friday. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for having us. Thank you. Thank you.